You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning. The reading today comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. I'll be reading verses 9 to 14. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheel were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and books were opened. Then I continued to watch because the boastful words the horn was speaking, I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were, all, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision in, at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom, one that will never be destroyed. Thanks, Julius. Guys, we have a, a special guest who's going to be coming to share a message. Uh, would you give a warm welcome to Dan Fryer? Come on up, Dan. Dan is the senior pastor, lead pastor at um, Jubilee Church, just in town. Dear friends of ours, we love you. We've known you for a long time. Um, you have a wife called Rachel, two kids. Correct. Reuben and Eden. Correct. And uh, mate, thank you so much for being here. Hey, let Pleasure. me pray for you before we before we hear from you. Father, I pray that you would just pour out your spirit right now upon Dan. God, give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. May his words be from you. Oh, we thank you for him as he's just pouring out his life for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel, serving us this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bless him, anoint him, anoint his words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Josh. It is uh, wonderful to be here. Can I just say as well, I, I hear it was uh, Abby's first time leading worship today. Wasn't she good? Amazing. Just as I am, um, as you were worshiping, actually, I just, as I was uh, just enjoying you leading us in worship, I just, uh, I just saw a, a, a picture in my mind um, of, of you stood on the Humber Bridge declaring the praises of God across our city and just felt like God is going to use your voice in the years to come to advance his kingdom. So well done. Keep going. Steward that gift. And thank you so much for leading us this morning. And, and it's great to be with you. Absolute privilege. Um, as Josh said, my name's Dan. I've been at Jubilee at Church in the city centre for um, 11 or so years, and uh, now I have the privilege of leading it. And it is great to um, just to be with you. I do feel like uh, amongst friends. I uh, about uh, probably February of last year, 2020. I uh, was out on a Saturday morning collecting pastries for our leaders' gatherings. And I know you have leaders' gatherings with pastries because I actually bumped into John Clark in Lidl. We were both loading. I think it was a competition of who could get most croissants onto the Lidl tray. And everyone else was like waiting for more croissants because we nicked them all. And um, we had a quick chat. But actually what happened over that time was pandemic hit. And then 
Over the last year and a half, um, John has become a great friend. And one of the things that has really encouraged me is just to hear what God is doing with you, how you have just stepped up, how you have responded to that, uh, the vision that John and Joni set before you January last year about what it is to create a place where people find home. And, and just to know the new initiatives you've been launching, to see the way you've cared for your community, the way you've cared for each other. It has been a real encouragement. It's not been an easy year and a half, has it? And so being able to look across and see what God has been doing with you is great. Uh, keep going. Um, and I know, you know this already, but in, in John and Joni, in Josh, in Rachel and the team, you are spoiled. Sometimes you forget that when you're here every week, but you are spoiled. They are great. And, and just keep supporting them in this time. Um, they are doing a great work. And I just love this vision that you have for creating rooms across the city where people uh, are encountered, uh, encounter the love of Jesus, where they're welcomed in. The idea that as you live out your faith in communities, as you live out your faith where you find yourself, as you gather believers, as you start new congregations and new communities of faith, um, people will meet Jesus. This building is amazing. But something happens when we go. Something happens when we, uh, when we go and create those spaces in the city to encounter Jesus. And as you do that, I, I do firmly believe that your influence and your impact will far exceed anything you've seen so far. I, I love the, the big meeting. I love the gathered church. But I think in this uh, pandemic, uh, it's taught us that gathering is the, the tip of the iceberg. It's a great highlight. I love Sundays. But I think sometimes we can plow so much emphasis, so much time and energy and effort into Sundays that we lack intentionality in our Monday to Saturday. You know, if I can just get through to the next Sunday, I can just crawl to a Sunday morning, I can be fed and nourished, and then I can go back into survival mode until the following Sunday. But something happens when the church moves into the community. Something happens when they demonstrate kingdom authority and compassion. Hull Vineyard, you're the light of the world. Do you believe that? You are the light of the world. And unless you show up, people never see that light. And this series you're in, Embracing Exile, is so key because we live in a world of darkness. We are living as citizens of a, a heavenly kingdom, yet we find ourselves submerged in a culture that is odds with the kingdom. Now we can react by you know, trying to remove ourselves, retreat and protect we can try and assimilate with a culture where we basically look like everyone else around us apart from we give away some of our money and we're a little bit busier. Um, or what we can do is we can understand who God has called us to be. We can live embracing exile, knowing that we're going to be misunderstood, we're going to be rejected, we're going to be maybe even persecuted, and yet we can thrive. And Daniel knew this. You've been exploring the book of Daniel that's found in the, the Old Testament and you will have seen the, the difficulty that Daniel was facing living as a foreigner in the land of Babylon. Daniel is far from home. Jerusalem lays in ruin. God's people find themselves in desperate times in Babylon. And the first six chapters tells this story of what has been happening to Daniel. Um, you, will have, uh, you will have seen that and I know that I've been listening to some of your messages and they've been great. Uh, and that's what the first six chapters are. And then chapters 7 to 12 contain a number of dreams or visions that Daniel sees. And that's what we find in Daniel 7. We find uh, God gives Daniel a dream which is going to shock and comfort him. 
And as we explore Daniel 7 today, my prayer is that maybe for some of us who may need it, God will give us a little bit of a shock. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping there's going to definitely be a lot of comfort. Are we up for that? And as Josh mentioned, he's given me a really weird passage. <laughs> With a week and a half's notice. <laughs> um, we're not going to read all of Daniel 7 today because it's long and it gets very weird. Hopefully I'm going to do it justice. Um, but what I would encourage you is to read all of it later on, all of Daniel 7, uh, especially if you're going out for lunch. Just read it really loudly. The table next to you will think you're really weird. But it's important to say that this is a dream. And I think, who's had a weird dream before? I think we're allowed to have weird dreams, yeah? Um, that This chapter in the whole of the, the second half of Daniel is a particular kind of writing called apocalyptic, which means it has to do with the end times and how God brings history to a dramatic conclusion. And when we read in Scripture, it's really important we understand the genre that we're reading. You know, you will find books on law and history and wisdom and poetry and prophecy and, and gospel writings of the life of Jesus and letters and the apocalyptic. And if you just pick up the Bible and just start reading, you're gonna, and you don't understand what genre you're reading, very quickly you're going to be a little bit confused. If you try and pick up poetry and, and try and think, I'm reading history you're very quickly going to be confused. And when it comes to the writings that we find in Daniel, the aim is not to make specific detailed prophecies about the future. But instead, it is to provoke powerful feeling. That's why what uh, Julius just ra- read was, was uh, it's full of imagery. The aim is not to turn us into investigators, where we start to speculate about the future. But instead, it is to bring hope and confidence to God's people. That in spite of the current situation... God is in control, and there is a beautiful future to come. And so before, this, this, before the passage that was read to us this morning, Daniel's received a dream. And if you're in Daniel 7, just have it in front of you as we, go, as we walk through. It might be helpful. There are four great beasts. It, it was thought that these could refer to empires. Maybe the empires of, of Babylon, the, the Medo-Persians, the, the, the Greece, and Rome. But it really isn't that important to us today. What is important is they represent seemingly uncontrollable forces. They are fierce and they appear unstoppable. As you have considered exile over the last few weeks, I'm sure there have been moments when you felt despair. When you see the state of the world, when you see the leaders that we have in power in the world, I wonder, what does the future have in store? I've got a, a three-year-old and a, a one-year-old who are enjoying your uh, kids' activities today, and I do wonder, what world will they live in? What world will they grow up in? As there's a baby down there today, what world will they grow up in? And too often, I think we can think that the way, the answer to it is we need to reclaim our Christian heritage, where all, if enough celebrities or prominent people come to faith, then it'll all be better. But that's not the world God has called us to. He has given us this heavenly citizenship. But then he has called us to bring light into a world of darkness. Know today that empires will rise and fall. Evil powers will terrorize God's people. Over 340 million Christians today are being persecuted because of their faith. The beast of the world seems uncontrollable. It does get better. But then in Daniel's dream, he sees a throne. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair of his head like pure wool. 
His throne was, a fiery, was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. In this moment, the beasts are there. And the Ancient of Days, which is God, takes his seat as judge. Notice that while everything looks hopeless, where do we find God? We find him seated. Psalm 47, 8 tells us that God reigns over the nations. God is seated on a holy throne. In Isaiah 6, a really famous pa passage where Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his throne fills the temple. And where do we find God? Seated on a throne. It's a common picture that we see throughout Scripture that God is seated. He created all. He sustains all. He is not running around in a panic, but he is seated on a throne. God hasn't been taken by surprise by the last 20 months. He's not coming up with plan B, surviving in a post-COVID world. He, is, he was in control during pandemics before. He's been in control during world wars. He has sustained the world through the most devastating of times. He is in control today. He will bring judgment on the world. But know that no matter what you're going through today, God is in control. Every day he causes the sun to rise. He sustains all things and he knows exactly what he is doing. This is what the book of Daniel has been saying from the very beginning. Over and over again, the book of Daniel is trying to teach us that God is the one in control. He rules over the kingdom of man. He gives dominion to whom he wills and he takes it away when he chooses. You can trust him today. And then a dream changes again. And it says, Daniel says this. I saw in the night visions... And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. God appears, he destroys these beasts, and he gives the eternal kingdom to a figure who is one like a son of man. Two figures here. Ancient of days, God handing over his everlasting dominion of the, over all the nations to one who is like the son of man. What is Daniel thinking as he sees these two figures? Well, Daniel knew his, knew his scripture. Knew, and 2 Samuel 7.13, it's written, what God promises something to King David. He says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be his father and he will be my son. But my love will never be taken away from him. Your house, your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. There is a king coming, an heir to David, who would be God's son and he would rule and reign forever. And that is the promise that God's people lived with. Daniel sees this vision and it tells us that in verse 15 that he was alarmed and anxious. Although this king is coming, although Daniel knew things were going to get better, he knew that the, the reality was it was not yet. It's a great message, but Daniel knows this is still a long way off. Beasts are still going to rise and fall, and so he's alarmed and anxious. In the meantime, persecution's going to happen. Wars and danger rises and falls. 
God's people lived in exile, but they had this promise of one who would come, who would overcome the powers of this world. He would establish his everlasting kingdom. It brought hope, but it didn't mean things were always easy. Fast forward 550 or so years and Jesus arrives on the scene. Throughout the gospel, we see Jesus time and time again refer to himself as the son of man. For Jews, it's clear what Jesus is trying to claim. He is trying to say that he is humanity and divinity in the same place. When Jesus is asked, that's what he replies. When Jesus is asked the day before he dies, he says, are you the promised Messiah? And he quotes Daniel 7. The next day is put to death. Acts 7, Jesus is, uh, Stephen is being stoned and he sees a vision. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus becomes man, fully divine yet fully human. He lives in perfect obedience to the Father. He dies on the cross for our sin and then he is raised from dead, now standing at the right hand of the Father, the Son of Man. All power and authority has been given to Jesus. He has defeated the powers of sin and death at the cross. He is now with God and yet there is more to come. Because Daniel's dream doesn't just involve Jesus ruling over all things, but in verse 27 it says, And the kingdom and his dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. We see the Ancient of Days, we see the Son of Man, and we see the saints. The saints reign with him. Not only does Daniel's dream it present God in complete control with all authority, giving his everlasting kingdom to Jesus, but we are involved. Not just spectating, but, people, but the people of God, the saints, the church, playing its part in God's everlasting plan. Revelation 21 gives us a picture of such a future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, they will be his people. And God himself will be there with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I want to tell you that things get better. I'd, I'd love to be one of those preachers who tells you that you're on the edge of your breakthrough. I'd love to. I'd love to tell you that if you just mustered up a little bit more faith, then you would see God move. But I'd be guessing at best and lying at worst. Because we're exiles. We're going to suffer. We're going to be outcasts and aliens and, and foreigners. People we love will die. We will suffer health issues, financial issues. Our mental health may suffer. We'll have relational issues. Yet in the midst of it all, God is with us. We will see the kingdom breaking in. We will see people being saved. We will see people being healed and restored. We will have times of abundance. We will experience joy because the kingdom is advancing. 
But the message brought comfort to Daniel is that God is in control. He is ruling and one day we will be with Jesus forever. We will be living in his kingdom as his people. A place where there is no mourning, there is no death, there is no crying, there is no pain. Life might be hard now, but you have eternity with Jesus to look forward to. You might be feeling persecuted right now. You have a lifetime with Jesus to look forward to. If we don't have this eternal perspective, we will give up. We will choose to embrace the culture around us because it is much easier than living as exiles. But in the midst of chaos and anxiety, Daniel 7 brings hope. Despite all that's going on, whole vineyard remain faithful. God rules over the kingdoms, every man, every woman, through all times and all seasons. We know how this ends. And as you live as exiles, you bring hope to those around you. As you suffer but remain faithful, God works in and through you to establish his kingdom. Confident of who you are, confident of who God has made you to be, you get to go out and get to introduce people to the king and get to welcome him, people home into his kingdom. This same message that brought hope in Daniel 7 brings, can bring hope today. To know that we are living, not for this moment, not for the years that we are on this earth, but we are living for eternity. No matter how difficult life is right now, God wants to bring comfort. He doesn't come to make our lives easier. He lifts our eyes to Jesus and shows us the beautiful future of what's to come. And as I was praying this morning, I just felt really drawn to Psalm 23. Really famous. Talks about the Lord being the shepherd. And you're, I'm sure you'll know it as I start to read it. But I wanted to pray this over you. Because this, in this psalm, this speaks of the Lord being a shepherd. It talks about being in valleys. It talks about the shadow of death. It talks about being a table where our enemies are there. But it says, in those moments, our cup overflows that we can find goodness and mercy. And then it finishes by talking about where we're going. Let me read this. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. 
To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.